What up, what up, what up? Welcome into another edition of Green with Envy. As always, it's your boy Will Weir checking in. How you doing? How you living? Joining me as he does each and every time, my best friend, co-host, coach of our podcast, the one and only, Greg Manakis. What's up, my guy? When people are listening to this, your boys will be touched down back in the motherland of Boston, Massachusetts. So those of you that are listening right now, Will and I will be in the building at TD Garden on Thursday and hopefully, fingers crossed, on Saturday. If you're listening out there and you got the you got the hookup for tickets, holler at your boys. We are looking <laughs> for tickets to go on Saturday. I have called in every ticket favor I could think of, Will, and I got nothing. Yeah, it's a hot ticket. It's a hot ticket. LeBron James coming to town. The Lakers, we will be in the building. If you're listening to this in the day of release, we will be in the building tonight for the New York Knickerbockers. So stay tuned to our socials. We'll try to keep y'all posted and where we're going to be. Maybe we'll have a chance to see some of y'all. That'd be really dope. Um, but yeah, for that Lakers game, it's, a, it's just a hot ticket, man. I mean, it's Celtics, Lakers. It's national TV. It's, you know, for a while, you know, at least at the beginning of the season, the way that it was working out, there was a chance this could have been when LeBron was going to break Kareem's record. Obviously, we're we're probably about another two, two and a half weeks away from that, maybe a little mm-hmm. less. Um, but, you know, it's just always a big deal when the Lakers are in town, you throw LeBron in the mix. Like we talked about last episode, we don't know how many more times that LeBron's going to be there. And he's on a heater right now. So this is a great time to go see him. And, you know, we're going to we're going to scratch and claw. We're going to we're going to try and find our way in the building. But if any of you listeners out there do have a tip, absolutely 100 percent slide into the DMs. It would be much, much appreciated. Well, real quick, I got one question for you, bro. What is the most amount of money you would pay to go to that game? Individual ticket, individual ticket. Uh I mean, I've thought about it before. You know, I've I, I've been blessed with being able to be at so many great sporting events in my 33 years. Um, you know, I mean, the most I've ever paid was to go to the Super Bowl. And even that was like incredibly discounted from what it should have been. It was probably about a fifth of the actual price that, that I That was the paid. 28 to 3 Super Bowl. 28 to 3 comeback against the Falcons. Yeah, absolutely blessed to be there for a fifth of the price of what it should have been. Um, I would say, you know, given all of my good luck with that, once again, might be one of the last chances to see LeBron. I'm, I'm, you know what? I don't want to put a number out there because I don't want anybody. I don't want anybody jacking up the prices on me here. <laughs> Just for reference, I've been in the ticket game. Your your boy here used to be a ticket guy. Shout out Ticket City. Shout out University of Texas. I've seen the ins and outs of the ticket world, uh, but I'll go ahead and throw a number out there. You know, somewhere in the, it, it, I'm willing to probably go around 300, a little over 300 is is probably somewhere where I'd settle. That's roughly about the get in price to be in the back of the building right now. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that comes down a little bit and, uh, and maybe those change, but we'll see You know, once you're there and it's so close, because it's easy to say that right now, as I sit and talk to you in Austin, Texas, when we go to the game Thursday, get a taste of it and know what could be there on Wednesday. You know, I, I I could start to get like, uh, you know, I could start to get the itch and uh, maybe, maybe that price goes up a little bit. So I saw on Twitter uh, somebody had posted these pretty good seats listed at uh, seven fifty a pop. 
Mm-hmm. So that you know, I, I didn't know if you were gonna go that high because, like, you know me, I could probably be talked into anything. Uh, <laughs> there's a chance that I would do that, even though I cannot afford that whatsoever. Well, see, but that's do- the thing. That's the thing. If there's an, if it's just me left to have to decide one on one with myself, I can set a certain budget. If I have friends and I'm making it into a an event, that's a different story. So that was a little bit keeping potentially what your budget might be involved as well. But if you can talk yourself into it, I'll talk myself into it. No problem. So, (laughs) so we've just opened up Pandora's box. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah, dude. I, so I, I hit up Brandon Wahlberg. Uh, he didn't, he had already sold his tickets. I hit up, um, Brandon Sang. So Nick Sang's brother, Brandon said Nick didn't have anything. He said it's a hot seat. I hit up Pro Lyrical because Lyrical has done some stuff with the Celtics before. He connected me with someone who works for the Celtics. Best they could do was like potentially upgrade our seats if we got some get-ins, but there was no promises there. Yeah. Uh, so there's just not a lot out there, bro. So there's those not, of you listening, but... holla at you, boys. We are open for business. <laughs> Keep us posted. Uh, like I said, slide into the dms it is more than welcomed uh but on this podcast today so we're gonna touch on the celtics trip to florida our homies a light a light a light touch a light touch our homies at first of the floor have got you covered on that from the last episode so scroll back one go check out first of the floor they had everything they did a post game right after that interesting defeat to the Miami heat, which we'll talk about here for, for just a moment. But then from that, Greg and I are going to have a couple different segments that we're going to do today. One playing the heat and magic back to back, got us thinking about the bottom part of the Eastern conference and what that play in could look like as we're recording. Miami is currently in the sixth spot, one game ahead of the New York Knicks in seventh Celtics still in first place as of the recording of this three and a half games ahead of the Sixers. So we're going to look at this from the perspective of who we would least like to play and who we would most like to play when we get to the play in time. And then on the back part of this podcast, trade rumors are flying. It's heating up. Lakers made a move to go and get Rui Hachimura. You're seeing, you know, all the rumors about potentially interest interest in Jakob Pertl. Uh, we'll see how real that is. But Greg and I are going to talk about some guys just in general that maybe not this year, but maybe in the next couple of years, just guys we would like to see in green. Guys that we are envious of that they are not in green and that maybe one day could be. And of course, we're, we're not we're going to we're going to have some caveats to that 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 we'll go over when we get to that segment. But Real quick, on this on this little uh, Florida trip that didn't work out so well for the boys in green, go down to Orlando. Orlando wins the season series 3-1. to one. Play against Miami the very next night. Literally, the, the hospital infirmary sees, you know, mm-hmm. Justin Jackson logging heavy minutes in this game. Yeah. You know, but then the Celtics had this game kind of in hand for, for a good portion of it. About halfway through the fourth quarter, it all fell apart. They lose by three to the Miami Heat, their first loss on back-to-back games, now seven and one on back-to-back games this season. Um, take it wherever you'd like, Greg. Like I said, we're just going to touch on this lightly, but just what are your thoughts about Florida? The state, that is. Anything about it. <laughs> just, I, I just don't like being there. Um, you know, the Celtics against the Heat just brings back all of the memories of the Eastern Conference Finals, um, brings back memories of the bubble being in Orlando. I just don't like being in Florida. And I mean, the magic game, I've been high on the magic all season. You know that I predicted for them to win a game in the playoffs this year. So 
I, I kind of saw the potential a little bit earlier than some, but that's not to say the Celtics should have as much of an issue as they did with the Orlando Magic this season. I don't really know. I don't know if it was Brogdon being out along with Rob being out and not having that extra scorer along with our best athlete against a team in which you need an extra scorer and you need your best athletes available just because of their sheer size and um, you know uh, girth around the basket as well. I mean, the the Heat game, dude, like the one thing that stands out to me is the Celtics have to figure it out in the fourth quarter. Everybody, that's the coach, that's the players. Execution, coaching has to be better. Missoula's got to use a timeout when the when the game is slipping away. I As we were texting before we hopped on air, we, both of us don't mind not using the timeout before that last possession. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that, you know, when there's six minutes left and we can't score and there's a two-minute drought and it's an eight-nothing run, the game's slipping away, you should probably call a timeout there, Joe. And then when it's now four minutes has gone by, we still haven't scored, and now we're down five points, Joe. Like, maybe call a timeout there, Joe. You know, <laughs> there's all these different times in which Missoula could use – a very, very obvious tool in his coaching toolkit and just call a freaking timeout. I'll stop there because we, I can, I want to, I want to come back to that point, but I'll let you jump in real quick. Yeah, no, it was funny. Cause as we were texting, I, I was kind of going through it and I was like, you know, I was thinking, I don't really mind that, you know, at this point, I think it was 90, it was, I think it was 97, 95 at the time Tatum has the ball, you know, 20 seconds or so left. I was like, you know what? Just let them play it. I, I think I'm, I'm okay with this. Then as I realized I'm saying, I'm like, why do we still have two timeouts left? Like that's like, that's the problem. Not that you're not calling the timeout. Now, the fact that there's two other timeouts that haven't been used in all those other moments leading up to that final 20 seconds that you're talking about. And so I was like, okay, that felt a little ridiculous, but you know, it, at the end of the day, it, you're right. The end of the game, we brought this up in the last episode where, you know, they, they got away with some late game shenanigans over the end of that nine game win streak where they were able to hold on for dear life in a couple of games and, and walk away with some wins. But eventually that's got to get cleaned up. And I don't necessarily know what the answer is because it feels like for about 44 to 45 minutes, this team is, 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 is a version of itself that is the best team in the league. And whether it's and if, if it's them trying to hold on to a lead, all of a sudden something just changes in them. It just, I mean, we saw it live when we were in San Antonio. We mm-hmm. saw it click with them. We were like, hey, if they just have a solid two minute stretch here, this lead is going to go from eight or nine to 13 with two minutes left. And you can set everybody for the last two minutes and we can coast yeah. out of here, cue up the Al Horford grilling photo and have a nice day. Instead, the whole crowd was on their feet for the last two and a half, three minutes as the Spurs came storming back and a broken play led to a victory against a team that you should have put to bed, you know, three, four minutes ago. And that's a continual pattern that is happening for years throughout the year. Yeah. I mean, especially being in Miami, it, it gives you PTSD to game seven of the finals where of the Eastern conference finals, where you're that one Jimmy Butler shot away from, Hey, remember what was really cool that season where we turned it all around and then we blew it the last four minutes of the Eastern conference finals. And the heat went to their second finals in three years. Like that's the reality of how close that was to changing everything about making, making it over that hump to the finals last year. And that's still an issue now. And I just don't have the answer as to, to what it is that, that solves it. But like you said, it's an issue from, from the top down. Yeah. And that's why I think Missoula needs to use his timeouts in those moments because 
I don't I like the philosophy of not calling a timeout when like the offense is humming and maybe there was a little bit of a run, but you're still playing the right way. You're still playing that beautiful game. But when it's a game like tonight, it's the second night of a back to back third and four nights where clearly we're running out of gas and we're just like grasping at straws to come up with any sort of semblance of an offense. Like Joe, that's when you call a timeout to get the guys organized. And I know that he's playing the long game because there might come a moment late in the season in which they don't have a timeout. Right. But at the same time, you know, you, on still, the other- you still should get some practice calling him, though. Yeah, I mean, exactly. you got to mix that, that in, too. That's what I'm saying. So, like, for Missoula, he also needs to practice, like, when is the right time to press the stop button and say, we need to gather the troops. And he has done, like, it's not like he's never called a timeout. It's just like, Joe, you do have more timeouts that you can do. And there are certain games that might be important down the line in which, like, we might look back on this game and be like, dang, remember that game in Miami where we just, like, kind of fell apart in the fourth quarter and we didn't use any of our timeouts? Yeah. and we could have stopped the bleeding four minutes before the game was over. Like that's the type of stuff where you can do it, man. You need the practice as a coach, just as much as these guys need the practice of figuring it out on their own without yeah. timeouts. Yeah. And certainly some of this is on the players as well, too. Not to say that it's all on, on Joe Missoula. Um, you know, and then, if, and then when you look at the heat game, you know, it's, it's tough for me to get too uh, uh, upset. It's the continual pattern. That's frustrating. But you can't get too upset when you're missing four of your main guys. Al Horford sat, Malcolm Brogdon was out, Marcus Smart out, Jalen Brown out. So, you know, the fact that the Celtics, you know, came out the way they did in that game. And for a second, two things. One, it looked like Derek White was having one of his best games of the year until he had to really try and force some things in the fourth quarter. He was phenomenal leading up to that on both sides of the ball. And it was interesting watching what a Jalen Brown, you know, almost a Luka Doncic in, in, in impersonation would have to look like. Now, it's it's a pretty extreme version of of that, even for, you know, what Luka has in the supporting cast with what, you know, Tatum was working with um, against the Miami Heat. But it really, I thought, for about three to three and a half quarters, had a chance to really be, you know, we talk about these national TV impression games in the MVP race. And for about three, three and a half quarters, it had a chance to kind of be one of those games for Tatum and then it all just kind of fell apart towards the end. You know, I texted you, I think it was either late third or early fourth when he, when he got that foul call and started flexing his knee a little bit, he definitely laid off the gas for, for a little, as far as demanding the ball and, you know, driving to the lane and kind of being that dominant force. Uh, And then just when he tried to get back into it late, it was just a little bit, it was was too late is what it was. And, and so it it almost was one of those defining games where it was, Hey, remember when Tatum took that team on his back against Mm -hmm. the surging Miami heat team, granted no Jimmy Butler, but I think it's even with all the other injuries the Celtics have, uh, it was almost that defining moment, and it, it just kind of fell apart at the end. Yeah, I don't really have much more to say about these two games, man. I kind of want to move on. Yeah, let's, let's move on because <laughs> well, no, I'm, I think this is perfect. This is exactly where we wanted to go with it the, with these two Florida-based teams. So, you know, what we want to do right now this is the exercise that we wanted to go through. Let's rank and let's assume that the Celtics. You know, I was saying anything could happen, but right now they have a three and a half game lead. Likely, they are going to be a one seed or, you know, even if something disastrous happens, let's say they slip to the two, they are going to be facing one of these about eight teams. I eliminated the Pistons and the Hornets from this discussion because they they shouldn't be talking about anything to do that may concern playoff basketball. So they're eliminated. So there's eight teams that we are rationally going to talk about that could, I think, find themselves in the play-in. And we're going to rank them from who we'd least like to play to who we'd most like to play. Maybe we'll do it the other way around. We'll see. But we'll take a quick break and then we'll let you know. 
All right, Greg. So how, how do you want to do this? You want to start with the teams that we'd least like to play and then make our way down to the teams that we most like to play. I think that probably makes the most sense. Yeah. Um, do you want to go first? I'll go first because this is the team we're already talking about. It's Miami. You know, Miami right now is one game ahead of the Knicks from staying out of that play-in range. They are without, I think that was the easiest call of this entire exercise was Miami's a team that I think we both thought at the beginning of the season would probably be, you know, pretty solidly in that top six. I think right now they're hitting a stride that they're going to eventually start to put some separation and they'll probably stay out of that play-in would be my guess. Um, But, you know, if they do have more injuries, they do slip back. That is 100% without doubt the team that i do not want to see i think we win that series but i do not think we come out of that series feeling great and i think it sets us up for a really tough road when you look ahead to the to the to the neck to the following rounds yeah i think that's a great first pick you know you saw with bam at a bio who i'm definitely going to be talking about a little bit later in this podcast like those types of guys him jimmy butler kyle lowry like all these guys that they have that are just really hard nosed and he got like high tower just doing high tower things gabe vincent being a pest and then hero you know hero had a bad game tonight but he can get hot at any moment so there's a world in which the miami heat upset the celtics in a first round matchup i think it's unlikely that that would happen but as we saw last year anything can happen in a seven game series with the miami heat i do not want to see them at any point in the playoffs definitely not in the first round and if the celtics aren't careful they could get caught and they might end up in a 2-7 matchup in which they have to see the heat you know it might not be a 1-8 yeah. so that's definitely, you, uh... definitely up there were you referencing Otto Hightower of Game of Thrones? Um, what, why? What is this guy's name? Highsmith? Haywood <laughs> Highsmith, yeah. <laughs> you, you said it, and I started scrolling. I was like, Hightower? Who the hell is he talking about? And I was like, I think he beats Highsmith. Yeah, Haywood Highsmith. <laughs> I'm like okay. one of those guys out, uh, inside the NBA that just refuse to get names right until they <laughs> yeah. become like real players in the league. But that guy's good. I like that guy's he name. He is good. He is good. Okay, so we both agree. Miami is the team that we least want to see. That's pretty easy. What's your, what was the number two team that you had? Um, this was kind of a toss up here, but I think the I went with the more veteran laden, more talented, top heavy team in the Chicago Bulls that have given us a lot of issues. Uh, so I went with the Bulls there just because I don't want anything to do with DeMar DeRozan in crunch time. I think seeing him do his thing against the Celtics over the last couple of years. I mean, dude, he's he, he's right up there as a scorer and yep. crunch time player with with Tatum. You know, he really is. I think it's it's definite that he's a better scorer overall more polished than Jalen is right now I think you make the argument Jalen's a better overall player but DeMar I mean I think there'd be more teams around the league that are scared of DeMar DeRozan in the fourth quarter than maybe Tatum or Brown like he's that dangerous in the fourth quarter so I, I don't really want anything to do with DeMar DeRozan Zach Levine obviously we've seen him get hot Vucevic has been a problem for us and then also they've got some good defenders man Pat Williams is interesting as a mm-hmm. defender against Tatum they've got um Javante Caruso, Green they got Caruso Caruso's great they got um Derek Jones Jr. coming off the bench so he's got a whole bunch of guys that like if they ever figured it out and put it together they could be a real problem for the Celtics in the first round I don't want to see the Chicago Bulls in the first round so they were a little bit lower on my list. My two through four, there's a little bit of caveat in there to to one of my picks that I'll talk about. They ended up fourth on my list. But I think all of the reasons that you laid out were a reason that I struggled with who's this two through four range that we're looking at. Mm-hmm. I settled on the New York Knicks at number two. 
And I said on the Knicks at number two, number one, Tibbs coach team is just, you know, it's it's the same thing that we're looking at with really all four of those of these first couple of teams that we're looking at. They're going to be tough, grimy teams that I think the Celtics should take care of business with. But you're just it's just gonna it's just gonna be a rough even if it's a four or five game series, like they're gonna come in, they're gonna play physical, they're gonna bang with you. And when I look at the New York Knicks, you know, I, I think of you know, you mentioned the high-end talent on the Bulls. I think Brunson and Randall both have uh all-star cases this year. Who knows? It's it's only 12 spots. So who knows if one makes it, both make it, or neither make it. I think they're both right in that area. I think RJ's talented, he's kind of turning it around a bit. You see their young talent. And you know, when you look at some of the some of the stats, I talk a lot about who's top 10 offensive rating, who's top 10 defensive rating. That's kind of an indicator of who you should look to as likely to come out of the East. For a while, the Knicks are kind of hanging around that bottom. Mitchell Robinson uh, got hurt. Their defense has been slipping a little bit lately, so they're down to about the middle of the pack in defense. Their offense has gone up to about sixth in the league in offensive rating. So they were about 10 and 10 for most of the season. So just looking at that, at that statistic as kind of a measuring stick of where they'll potentially be mixed with, I think they have... You know, I think DeRozan, I would take out of, out of those two teams, just talking about the Knicks and Bulls, DeRozan's the number one player for me out of those mm-hmm. out of those two yeah. teams. But I think the next couple of guys probably come from the Knicks because I don't trust Levine necessarily being healthy. I think talent-wise, he might be number two. But I think if I just am trusting, who, who do I trust more? Probably Brunson. I, you know, Randall for two out of the last three years has been good. You take away last year where he was pretty mm-hmm. bad, but Brunson's really unlocked his game. I think RJ is someone that can defend well. You know, was, what are you going to get on the offensive end from him? A little bit questionable, but they've got a couple of guys that I think can pop on certain nights, Grimes, quickly. And so I just think that they could be a little bit more trouble, despite the fact that when you look at Levine and DeRozan, that's the better duo. I think mm-hmm. what surrounds them, I maybe trust there's a little bit more to the Knicks than there is the Bulls, even though the Bulls give us a lot of trouble. Yeah, if the Knicks had a better like wing duo, I think that they'd scare me a little bit more. I do think RJ is a nice player. I like Grimes. He's a couple of years away from being a real problem for the Celtics. Um, I like Deuce McBride. Fournier, you know, he's still there. He, he's been a thorn in the Celtics side over the years. Um, he can definitely get hot and hit some threes, but he's probably not going to play too much in the playoffs. Um, so, you know, for, for doing this kind of, you pick one, I pick one, I, you know, mm-hmm. and, and then it's my turn again. So we have yeah. just to recap, we went heat bulls, Knicks. So those three teams are off the board. Yep. So now I think it's between two teams here. I think it's between the team that we just saw in Orlando, the Orlando magic Ooh, and okay. the Toronto Raptors, right? Both teams that are very similarly built. Um, which you might be thinking about another team that I actually have lowest on my list and the team that I would most like to play. But um, the, I'm going to go with the Magic here. After what I saw them okay. do to us, uh, the Raptors are just, you know, maybe they have a little bit more top-end talent than the Magic do. But the Magic, I think I've said this on a pod earlier this year, they're basically what the Raptors are trying to do, 6-7 across the board, but they're 6-10 across the board. You know, six ten and above. They play guys that are just ginormous, and they take they play boxes and elbows on on the defense, and you can't really do anything if they're really locked in in the half court. Paolo is getting better every single day. Um, gets super hot. Spoony put out a great uh, a great tweet that he has like twenty five percent of all of his three point makes this year against the Celtics. Like against, <laughs> against the Celtics, Paolo Banchero just like turns into Jason Tatum yeah. mixed with LeBron James. Like he's just an absolute beast against the Celtics. 
Wagner's a problem. The other Wagner's a problem. The, the one that we had, Bull Bull's doing Bull Bull things. Fultz is like playing with a chip on his shoulder because we have Tatum and we did that trade. So we didn't want Fultz. You know, all these guys that just like have something to prove. I didn't even mention Cole Anthony. Didn't even mm-hmm. mention Jalen Suggs. Jonathan Isaac back in the mix. Like these have so much talent on that team, dude. And Terrence Ross, Celtics killer, didn't even play in the last game. Yeah, I had the ma- I I I mean, this was part of the reason we did the exercise. I still have the magic several spots lower. And part of that's they're just a young team. I mean, they're I was trying to think of how many teams like them where they're almost the, the freshmen showing up at a senior party where it's like, how'd you guys get in? Like, mm-hmm. what are you doing? Like, how'd, how'd you get into this party? How many girls did you bring? Who do you know here? Like, yeah. and I just don't know if the Magic are there. Yeah, I think probably next year that will be a big time for them. I was thinking of, you know, the Grizzlies with Job Morant. I think his second year got into the play-in and, mm-hmm. and made a little bit of noise. And, you know, they took out uh, took out the Warriors in the play-in. And that was, you know, it's a one game. So I think that was, you know, and then they 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 lost to the Jazz right after that. And I think that might be the magic next year. I don't think it's this year. And that was the main reason that I just like, when I look, when I think about the magic, you know, number one being clouded by the fact that they've dominated us this season. But then I also reflect on the fact that for the Celtics in the position that they're at, they definitely slept on the magic. They definitely didn't come out with their, their best efforts. And a lot of times for those games, you can look at, Oh, they were missing a bunch of different guys where they thought, Hey, this is a good night to get some rest. Well, it Mm -hmm. apparently wasn't the magic took it as a slight in the playoffs. That's not going to be the case. And so therefore the magic would be a nice story, but they don't scare me the way that some of these other teams do like the Raptors who were my third pick, but they were my team with a little bit of a caveat because if they blow this whole thing up, then, you know, whatever, like that's, that's completely done with. But when you look at their team and you've always been higher on the Raptors than, than me, I've liked them. I've just always thought they were like a cute six, seven seed, but they're better. They're much better than what they are right now, where they're in 11th place. They're not even in the play in right now. Like mm-hmm. when you look at Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, Fred Van Vliet, uh, you know, Gary Trent Jr., um, Precious Achua, like the list goes Scotty Barnes. Like, you know what I mean? You can get six, seven guys there where you're like, damn, those guys are talented. Like that's really good. And along with Miami, they've got kind of that coaching it factor where they have an identity, a DNA that every time the Celtics play them, it it just feels tough. It, it's it's a really grueling game to watch. It's not usually all that pretty, and you usually leave feeling a little bit worse. And so that's a, a lot of the teams I have at the top here because I don't think any of these teams should beat the Celtics. So a lot of the teams that I'm putting to the top of my list are going to be teams that I think are going to not quit, have a lot of fight in them that the Celtics are not, you know, you said it tonight, like at one point it felt like Tatum was kind of hoping Miami would just back down and be like, just give up and be like, Oh, Celtics got this one. That's not in their DNA. That's not in the Tibbs DNA with the New York Knicks. That's not in the bulls DNA with guys like DeMar DeRozan and Alex Caruso, the Raptors we've seen what that looks like in a playoff series. And so those teams are more worrisome to me about the damage they do, even if it's not necessarily resulting in a loss, but the damage and the toll that they would take having to deal with them in a series. So that's why I think a team like the Raptors and you mix in that, you know, Pascal Siakam is an all NBA level player. So you have a guy like that to at least, you know, try to match up with the Jays and, you know, other talented individuals. Fred Van Vliet's been an all-star. OG is, you know, potentially going for three picks on the open market. Like Mm -hmm. the top level talent guys. So I think for that, I put the Raptors there, but there is also the chance all of those or half of those guys I just mentioned get traded. And so in that case, we could just wipe them off the board. But I think being in that three, four slot is about right right now for them. 
Yeah, I agree with that. I, I want to circle back to the magic real quick. You, I like the analogy you brought up about, are they the kid that comes to the party that you question at the door? I actually think there's something else at the party. I think they're the the younger kid that you invited to the party and you're happy that he's there and you're having a good time with them. But at the end of the night, he ends up stealing the girl that you had, you were trying to get with. I think that's who the Orlando magic are. Cause you're not really like scared of the magic. You're not like stopping them at the door. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're like, Oh, you guys are kind of fun. Come on in. You know, like Paolo, come hang out for a little bit. Franz come hang out for a little bit. And you're like, dang, like he, he, he got, he got our number. You know, yeah, I, but that insinuates they win. No, no, just like they they win for the night, but like at the end of the day, they're still like the 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 freshman that's in the like the junior dorm, and you're just like, all right, they're still the freshman, like plenty other fish in the sea. Yeah, but they I, steal your girl, then that becomes a rivalry all of a sudden. So, and I, I just don't that's what I'm saying. That's what yet. I'm saying though. So yeah. like they're do they're doing that in the regular season now. So mm-hmm. like if you let them in the playoffs, then you're like, all right, it's business time. Like I let you in the party the first time. Let's handle our business here in the playoffs. So like, maybe you know, that, I think that might be the better analogy. But hey, it's a party analogy on a basketball podcast. So <laughs> you guys, you guys tell us <laughs> along with your ticket offer. Send us what's the better what's the better party <laughs> analogy for the Orlando Magic. All right, let's let's go. To, let's keep it moving here to our next team. So so we've got Heat, Bulls, Knicks, Magic, Raptors. Those are those are kind of off the board. So we're left with three teams here and my next team is the hawks i went with yeah. the hawks who are, just, who are the three teams left the hawks are the last team i even have in contention uh pacers and wizards yeah wizards no chance wizards aren't gonna aren't well i mean if we're gonna consider the magic they're two and a half games ahead of the magic right now yeah yeah that, I, that's fair i just I, hate the wizards. <laughs> I mean they're my last team uh, just mm-hmm. like the spoiler alert they were they were the team that i put that i would most like to face in the first round is yep. the wizards because i don't i respect wood i don't respect wizards so <laughs> you know like i like I, that's who i would like to face in the first round if it, if it somehow happened they don't scare me at all they're in the middle they're just they're just there and we would take care of that business pretty soundly so I think we're both going to have them as our team. We most like to face so yeah, that leaves two definitely. other teams here in the middle Hawks and Pacers. I put the Hawks above the Pacers. Would you agree with that? Or would you have that flipped? Mm, I'd probably, I mean, if Halliburton's healthy, I think the style of play, it's harder to guard the Pacers. I think it's going to be more grueling. The The Hawks kind of just play their high pick and roll game. They don't have a lot of shooters. I'm not really worried about them. Um, the only guy that like kind of scares me on their roster as being like a problem for us is a Kongu, and that's on the defensive end just because mm-hmm. I think he's like a younger Bam, like a mini Bam in, in the making. Um, so a Kongu is like the only guy that really scares me. I'm not scared of Trey. I think we can guard him well. Murray, you know, he's done some things in the past to the Celtics, but they don't seem to have it. I've watched a few Hawks games this year, and every time I watch them, it's like, you guys, this, this isn't it. This isn't the recipe for success. So I would definitely, um, I would definitely have them lower. Okay, I, I'm not going to fight that too much. My biggest thing was just the Hawks at least have some experience. This is all brand new for the Pacers. Like Halliburton's never been there. almost scarier they, though because they don't they don't know what to a degree. Yeah, they're at you know for sure. I mean, you could look at that that either way. I think you know, and and, and with the Hawks, like I, I mean, Dejounte Murray is a new wrinkle to that. You know, Trey Young is starting to shoot the ball better. I mean. I'm we're both very dismissive of Trey Young on this podcast, but his stats, his counting stats are pretty crazy. And then when you peel back the onion, he was shooting for a while, about 30 percent from three point range. He's starting to uptick that a bit. So it is a little bit of what happens if this team gets on a heater. And we've seen a good core or good chunk of this team now with now with 
DeJounte Murray kind of do that just what two seasons ago when they made the conference finals run, not saying they're going to do that again, but just that it's in them. It's a possibility. Um, But the vibes aren't great over there. And I think for the Pacers with Halliburton, it's a whole different story. I mean, they're free falling without Halliburton right now. I mean, they would have been in that Miami, New York conversation with Halliburton as far as that six, seven seed, but without him, it's just been a really rough go, but I don't know that. I I don't know. The, the, the Pacers just seem I mean, both of those teams to a certain degree seem kind of soft. So I, I think neither one would be all that scary. So I think it's, a, it's basically a coin flip. I leaned on the experience. You're leaning on the, you know, we don't know any better, but I think you could go either way with it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, for those of you that are listening out there, we'll put out a tweet, you know, just asking you what you think. Um, you can respond to that tweet. You could respond. Uh, I'll probably write an article or something, just like a mini article for Celtics blog. You could respond in the comments there, just letting us know if you agree with our rankings, if you disagree, who would you least like to play? Who would you most like to play? Uh, which players scare you? Which players are you excited to go up against in the first round of the playoffs? Yeah, we'll have both our lists in there. You let us know what you think. Did we get it right? Did we get it wrong? Um, make sure you comment. Let us know what you think. But with that, Greg, let's transition to our final topic of the night. So we talked about this at the open. Rumor seasons here and the trades are they're starting to come in. You know, Rui Hachimura goes from the Washington Wizards to the Los Angeles Lakers for Kendrick Nunn and a mixed bag of chips. Um you know, just real quick, any any thoughts on on that move at all? I know it's a little bit of a chatter in our in our Celtics blog Slack about you know the the, the price. I mean, that's the first trade. The first trade of the year, at least, kind of starts to set the market a little bit. So, just any any quick thoughts on that move? I don't think it really helps the Lakers. I think it's an opportunity to buy low on a former lottery pick. Uh, I don't think he fits the need of that team for more shooters. Don't really know what he does for them. I'm ne- I've never been a big Rui guy. Um, not a great defender. Not a great three point shooter. I don't even know like who his comp is in the league right now. Um, I think he like who would you rather have him or Pat Williams? Like I I don't know who would you rather have him or DeAndre Hunter? I don't know. Like there are like all these guys. I feel like he's the lowest on that list just in terms of like these lottery picks that are kind of in the same mold. Um, are they a three? Are they a four? None of them can really shoot all that well. So I know it's all these guys that I think teams saw Kawhi Leonard and they were like, all right, he could be the next Kawhi Leonard. And mm-hmm. they, no one's going to be Kawhi Leonard because Kawhi Leonard was was just like yeah one it was of like the every it was like everyone trying England. to yeah exactly to draft a Draymond Green as well at, exactly. during that phase um, yeah I like Rui actually I, I the one the biggest thing for me with Rui is I really liked him his rookie year he's not much different than his rookie year is is kind of my thing he came in and has been basically the same kind of guy. Um, I wouldn't say he can't defend at all. I mean, at least with that size. I mean, I think for the Lakers, for a couple second round picks, not a Kendrick Nunn fan. I think it's at least an upgrade over over just having Kendrick Nunn, like having a guy with size. And I know there's some catch and shoot numbers out there with Rui that say he's he's better at that than than you would think. But then once again, once you once you peel back the layers and you're having to find something hyper specific, you know, it gets a little iffy. Um, I at least I like it for the Lakers. It's just buying low, and he's better than Nunn in my opinion. Yes, yes, I agree. No pun Anyways, intended. That there you go. Uh, but that opens up the floodgate to all these rumors. You know, we talked about the Pirtle rumors, Pritchard a little bit for the Celtics. And so, you know, for the Celtics, I think it's gonna be a pretty quiet trade deadline. So Greg and I are gonna gonna table that for for just a moment here. We want to think kind of a little bit outside the box. So not even we're not gonna this list that we're gonna go through now is not just our wish for players 
this season for the Celtics, but within the next couple of years, who is some realistic candidates that we would like to see in a Celtics uniform? Now, a couple of ground rules. We can't, we're not going to talk about John Morant. We're not going to talk about Giannis. We're not going to talk about Zion Williamson. It's not going to be, we're going to rule out anyone that is going to be a perennial MVP candidate. And then from there, you know, Greg and I will probably set our own parameters as to how we took the exercise, but those clear cut MVPs, basically, if you're a top 20 player in the league, we can kind of just cut you out of this conversation. That's not really what we're talking about. These are guys that for the most part, there's, some type of realistic avenue that within the next couple of years, this could be someone that could end up in green. And that ultimately it's just guys that Greg and I would like to see in green. Anything mm-hmm. else you want to add to that? Yeah. I just want to know where you drew the line. Cause I, I didn't draw the line around 20. Actually, maybe I did draw the line around 20. Um, so the player that was actually, I have two players that were kind of my line for, I think like might be too unrealistic for this exercise, but I don't think they're impossible to one day end up in green. And I mm-hmm. think both of them would look really, really good. in green. <laughs> and I think that is Donovan Mitchell, number one and bam out of bio number two. Okay, so we definitely took a different approach <laughs> to this exercise. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like those, yeah. that's the line. Like that's what yeah. I'm saying. Like I'm not like those aren't on my list. Those are mm-hmm. the, that's the line where I was like, okay, okay. they're on the other side. Got of the you. Line. Okay, yeah. So for me, I like I said, I basically took if you're in the top, if there's any, if you're in the top twenty, I basically automatically took you out of this conversation, and then from there, I started to think, okay, the Celtics have Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Anything that would, you know, inspire their names to be brought up as part of a deal, they're out. So that means, you know, okay, guys. Like so, so any, so anyone that's like, you know, like an Anthony Edwards, a you know SGA who's probably a top twenty, but you know, some of those younger guys, even like a, a Mobley or a Cade Cunningham or, or some of those guys, yeah, I kind of, I kind of cornerstone exactly younger franchise cornerstones i took them out of the equation as well because that just doesn't really feel realistic and then from there i had to start kind of whittling down like okay you know a guy like demar Derozan, we just talked about him really like him but he's older like i i, I don't really i'm not i'm not dying for for that right now so i kind of took out the DeRozans, the middletons the uh you know obviously we're not running Kyrie back but cp3 you know uh, Rudy Gobert, Levine, like I took out some of those guys, some of those guys that are a little bit older, maybe there's injury concerns. They're not necessarily top 20 guys, but for other reasons, they're kind of eliminated. So mine, because originally when we, when we talked about doing this, I immediately went to like, who are the unsung role players that mm-hmm. I kind of want? Like basically guys that live in the Marcus smart, Derek white world, you yeah. know, that are, that are those top tier and then once we kind of opened it up to a, a, a slightly larger parameter, my top couple of guys that I have here fit probably into that fringe all-star range, but okay. definitely are not confirmed all-stars. Those guys I left off to the side. So with that, let's go to year number five. because I want to see where you started. Well, I want to start this conversation by saying that we got one of them years past. It would have been Malcolm Brogdon. Like yeah. Malcolm Brogdon was always super, super high on my list. So the fact that we actually got one of these guys gives me hope that one of these exactly. other guys that we mentioned will one day end up on the side. We're going to look back in two or three years and be like, hey, remember that time he was number three on my list? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. So I didn't really rank them. I kind of just like made a yeah, list. Okay, but... We don't have to do that. Let's okay. just, just give me one guy and we'll go back and forth. I'm going to go with Jeremy Grant. I've always Ooh, liked like Jeremy that. Grant. Um, I think he got like a little bit of a weird 
uh, reputation within the media. Like Bill Simmons was kind of low on him for a little bit, um, talking about like he wasn't a good defender and all this. And when Simmons says something, like a lot of people start believing that stuff. And I just never really bought that narrative that Jeremy Grant wasn't that guy. Um, obviously, he's not a number one option, but he, I mean, he's shooting the heck out of the ball right now in Portland. I love the way that he played for the Pistons last year. Um, like he gave, he's one of those guys that gives Jason Tatum issues. Like he can really lock in on those better wings, especially the younger wings in the league, just with his sheer size and length. Um, I would love to see Jeremy Grant in green. I don't know what it would take to get him. I'm pretty sure he's a free agent coming up. Mm -hmm. We're not going to have the cap space, so it would probably have to be some sort of sign and trade type of thing. But he's a guy that if we could somehow end up with Jeremy Grant at this trade deadline or sometime in the future, I think he would really, really help this team. Yeah, Jeremy Grant's a very interesting call. I like that. I, I, he's one of the guys that I'm surprised you caught me with somebody that I did not did not really consider. And I do like Jeremy Grant a lot. That's a really good call. I think he's super versatile. And you know the the Blazers right now are kind of in a spot where it's like, what do you do? You know, like, I mean, I think maybe it's best for them to move him unless they think they're going to pay him, and then you're going to lock yourself into you know Simons, Lillard, Grant. I don't know. It's uh, it's definitely interesting to think about. I really like that as your pick. I think he's kind of that, you know, Jeremy Grant, Aaron Gordon, Marcus Smart, those type of guys. Like, I love all those type of guys that 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 really give your team continuity, can connect your team, and can do so many different things. And when you shoot the heck out of the ball, like you said, obviously that opens up, you know, a whole other world. So, really, really like that. So, and then when you think about Grant, right, if like best case scenario, I don't think this is likely people that are listening out there. I'm not saying the Celtics are going to get Jeremy Grant right now. I think it's very unrealistic. But if we did end up with Jeremy Grant, it's just as a thought exercise, if you had to pay trade for Jeremy Grant and then end up re-signing him and say, I don't know what he's going to be worth, 25 million a year. Versus yeah, he's at 20 pay- now, so probably he'll get a little bit of a bump with the salary cap and stuff. Right, so yeah, yeah about 25 that. versus paying Grant 20, which is a possibility. Like, who would you rather have? I would definitely rather have Jeremy Grant at 25 than Grant Williams at 20. So, like, I don't know. Pick your Grant. <laughs> Pick your Grant. Not a, not a bad call. I do like that one. That is a really good one. Okay, let me give you one of mine. I was going to start outside the box. I'm going to save it because I think that's probably we'll do that one towards towards the end here. But I'm going to give you a guy that I think you know that that I'm I'm pretty high on. That I just love the versatility that he gives you. He's a real tough guy. I like Lou Dort. Give me Lou Dort from Oklahoma City. <laughs> he's I'm on a, my list. I like that. He's a, I'm a big Lou Dort fan. I mean, I just think of you know, like I said, I thought of this exercise as how do you enhance every every just like just like you know Brad Stevens should be thinking every move I make is based on how do I enhance the Jays and how do I enhance the team around them? And we look at our team right now, and I love that you look down our team and it's, man, how do we have Marcus Smart, Derek White, and Malcolm Brogdon? What if we could say, hey, man, we're so blessed that we have the Jays. And, oh, hey, if they need a night off, we just throw the bowling ball that is Lou Dort down the lane and we send him out there for a night. You know, Lou Dort is a guy that, likes doing the dirty stuff. He he can, you know, he's not the greatest three-point shooter, but you know, he can hit 35% and if he's going I'm always to be scared doing, when Lou Dort is shooting cuz he can get hot. He can get hot, right? And so, you know, I think he can do a lot of those little things. He's getting better with the ball in his hand. He's up to 14 points per game this year. You know, obviously he's a little bit more freedom playing in Oklahoma City, but I think even in a reduced role, he could help save some of the minutes that, you know, even in the night like against Miami, Jason Tatum just played 40 minutes in a game where he's playing with a bunch of, you know, 
bench players. And if you can even cut that down by five and you feel a little bit better with a guy like Lou Dort out there to help, you know, balance your team. Uh, I've just been a really big fan of him since the bubble when it was kind of like his breakout moment. And I feel like every time I tune into an Oklahoma City game, which I've been doing more of with obviously, you know, keeping track of SGA because he's one of the funnest players to watch in the league. Lou Dort just jumps out the screen to me every single time. So give me that little muscle hamster. <laughs> Uh, okay. I like Lou Dort as well. Who's the, who was the running back that was called the muscle hamster? Uh, it was Josh Jacobs, who was my fantasy steal this year. Although yeah, really, it really Josh did Jacobs? not come through with me. Yeah. No, it was, was it Josh? No, no it, was it was Doug, Doug Martin. He was also on the Raiders. That's what I was Okay. Okay. Yeah, it was yeah, Doug yeah. Martin. There you go. That's what it was. All right. Um, I'm going to stay in that mold of a player. I've mentioned him on this pod. We actually mentioned him earlier on this exact podcast. Give me Alex Caruso, man. I love Alex Caruso. I knew you were going to take him, yeah. I love everything that guy does. I think, you know, he's a little injury prone, but when you think back to that Lakers bubble final team, like he was a huge part of that. His defense, I I think it's still somehow underrated, the impact that he has on the defensive end. I think he's a great screen navigator. He's a disruptor in passing lanes. He's super tough. He can guard one through four. Um, He's probably not like quite the... um, the athlete you would expect him to be meaning on like a negative side of things. Like people kind of underestimate his athleticism. I think he's a better ass- athlete than you. Uh, you want to know why Greg? Cause he's a white guy who looks like Elmer Fudd with a headband. <laughs> that is true. That is true. So I think Caruso is a guy that I would love to have. If the bulls, I was really hoping the bulls would continue to plummet. They've picked up their play. Cause I would, I would have loved to be able to steal him at his like eight, $9 million deal. Yeah, I mean, Caruso fits the DNA. If you're looking for a defensive-minded guy, Caruso is that guy, right? Mm-hmm. Caruso is is that through and through. Um, I like him. I, he was a guy that I knew you were going to take, so I didn't even I didn't even write him down. I knew that's that was somebody that you were probably going to target. Yeah. Um, it, you know, his shooting worries me a little bit with with him being out there so much. But at the end of the day, that athleticism, his defensive prowess, like he's going to be a game changer out there. So I, I like that pick. Caruso's a good one. Um, all right, let me go to the, I, I did have an order, but now I'm just kind of going all over the place here just to keep it, keep it interesting. I'm going to go with the guy that you and I were really bummed out when we found out that he snuck in to the original James Harden trade. And I don't know where the Celtics were or where any rest of these NBA teams were besides the Cleveland Cavaliers were, and that's Jared Allen. Jared Allen's an Austin guy. We saw him play, you know, I I was still working at UT at the time when he was here. Uh, So I got to see him play, you know, relatively up close in person for a little bit during his time in college. And, you know, he just, he just, he's honestly, he's, he doesn't, he does everything that you want your center to do when you have, you know, dynamic scoring guys like in his case right now, Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, think Mm -hmm. about what that looks like when you get the backline defense, similar to that of a Rob Williams. Rob probably has a little bit more athleticism. Not that Jared Allen's not athletic. He's going to protect that rim. But then you also get his added skill set on on offense, in which I do think he supersedes that of Rob Williams. So whether that's to pair with Rob Williams or that's to, you know, not necessarily pair as in play on the court at the same time, but have them alternating onto the court as an option. Um, I think Jared Allen could either be an upgraded Rob Williams or he could be a guy that if you have the two of them on the court, good freaking luck. You know, if you're just rotating minutes between Rob Williams and Jared Allen, that's going to be a really tough team to score, especially when you add in all the other components that the Celtics have the capabilities for. Um, And he's also a guy that just doesn't, you know, he doesn't need plays drawn up for him. He -hmm. seems very low maintenance. Um, I think he would just be a really seamless fit to what, to what the Celtics have built. 
I didn't understand how more teams weren't out there trying to get him yeah. when it found out that he was available and he was just more of like a facilitating piece in that deal. I was furious when that happened because as you if you remember, like that was before Rob like really, really burst yeah. onto the scene and we we just didn't know what Rob was gonna be. And I was like, Jared Allen, like give me Jared Allen all day, every day. I'm very happy that we ended up with Rob and that he's flourishing into the player that he is. But Jared Allen, you know, he's just a safer bet than Rob yeah, Williams. Exactly. And that's part know? of that's part of my reason for putting Jared Allen on this list is just he I just feel safer, you know, and I feel yeah. like you're gonna get the same and, and maybe more production. I know he's already been an all-star one time. So he's he's the one friend like there's a couple fringe all-stars I have on here. He's the one that that's actually crossed that threshold on my list. I'm gonna go with another um front court player, another guy that brings toughness to my team because I think the Celtics still somehow just lack a little bit of toughness, as we saw tonight with Bam Adebayo went bam all over us. I like Bobby Portis. Crazy eye, Bobby eyes. Portis. There were a couple there a couple of years ago. I think he was gettable. Now he's too integral to what the Bucks do. I think he's going to be in Milwaukee long term. But he's a guy that I always wanted to see in Green. And like, if we're doing this whole Grant Williams versus another team's bench power forward thing, Bobby Portis or Grant Williams, like you're probably picking Bobby Portis, right? So I think Bobby Portis does a lot for you. Um, he's a super sub right now for the Bucks and. I just love the toughness that he brings, man. And I love guys that remind me, even if it's not in game, but an attitude of Kevin Garnett. And he reminds me of Kevin Garnett. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I think that's a great pick. Um, not really surprised you went there. That, that seems like that's right in your wheelhouse to go. I like tough guys. Yeah. You just, I mean, and honestly, Bobby, Bobby Portis is, is one of the tougher ones and he's also one of the craziest ones. So, I mean, I think I'm correct me if I'm wrong. Is he the one that, Knocked Either out Miritich. Sl- well, knocked out Miritich. That I know is a fact. Okay. But I believe I've heard a story that he also, and I don't, I'd have to look this up to see how much, how <laughs> fast this is or not. I have no idea what you're about to say. I'm excited. He imagines that whoever he's supposed to guard that night yeah. is, is, is talking stuff about his mom and he punches himself in the face to get fired up. I think that is Bobby Portis. That's but Bobby I mean, Portis. That's, right? that's what I'm saying. Like, that's something that KG probably would have said. You yeah, know what I mean? Exactly, like, he's, he's absolutely exactly. insane. I love him. Yeah. This is a, a little screw loose, but. It, it tends to play itself out in a good way on the court. Okay, I like Bobby Portis. I'm going to go with another guy that I've I've long coveted, very kind of similar to the to the same reasons that I went with with Lou Dort, and I'm going with uh, Jeremy Grant's teammate Josh Hart. I think Josh Hart just like Josh Hart. does a little bit of everything. I think he's he's one of those guys. Once again, he's the role player that there's not a single team in the league that would say, "Yeah, we don't really need Josh Hart." Every single team wants a rotation guy like Josh Hart who can come in. And, you know, he he's had a game where he put up 40 points. He's he's not going out to do that each night. He's a little tentative shooting the three. He can do it, you know, every now and then. But, you know, he's once again, he's a guy that, that gives you nine points, eight rebounds, four assists or his stats this year in Portland. You know, that's that's fantastic for a guy that you have that you're going to be able to rotate in the mix. And I think once again, when you look at the DNA of the Celtics of having guys that can both play up and down, whether you need Josh Hart to play the two or the three, you know, he, he can kind of fluctuate depending on who else is on the court with him and so i think that dna of the celtics of being able to have a lot of versatility so you can have the right players on any given night josh hart fits that mold and he's always someone that i've kind of had my eye on whether he was with the lakers the pelicans and now you know with the blazers i'm always hoping there's a way that you know gonna find a way to maybe sneak him in for you know a 15 million dollar contract at some point down the line Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, he's one of those guys where when you look around the Eastern Conference, if if the Trailblazers are, are selling off some pieces, you're like, man, I hope he doesn't go to uh, Cleveland. I hope he doesn't yeah. go to Miami. You know, just like these teams out there that are a piece away from just being a little bit more scary than they are. He's one of those guys that would definitely make me God. go uh, like they got Josh Cleveland's, Hart. Cleveland's a good one because I think my some of my last couple of guys here are the ones where I'm like, man, if Cleveland finds a way, if him and specifically one other guy that I might go to, I'm still debating uh, on one of my choices that I'm going to go with here. If Cleveland finds a way to fill that wing spot, I do think that they could be really, really scary. Yeah. I agree. I agree. All right. I'm trying to think who I want to use. So we each got one left. Uh, I have two left. So I've lost track of how many. So you had, you had Caruso, you had Portis, you had Jeremy Grant. I think you have, I think we each have two left. Okay. So I'm going to go because I was going to go Aaron Gordon, but I don't think he's going to be off of the nuggets anytime soon. He's just perfect in, in Denver. I, this other guy, I do think that he probably fits too well with the culture on the team that he's on as well, but I have always long coveted him once again. Will, what do Mm -hmm. I, what do I covet in players guys who are what tough guys? Who's the toughest guy in the league? Steven Adams, Steven Adams. Yeah. Steven Adams. I'd like, I'd like to see Steven Adams like on the Celtics just for a year, you know, just to see if he like Adams wanted that smoke the other night with uh, Shannon Sharp. That was pretty great. Yeah. Shannon Sharp's huge dude. Big old boy. Yeah. But uh, Steven Adams, some of that I would love to see in Boston just because he he's the toughest guy in the league. And if he was on the Celtics, I would never ever question our mentality or our grit because I know Steven Adams would be there. And I think that would kind of like empower um, a J uh, Jalen Brown, a Jason Tatum to just get like a little bit more frisky out there on the court. Cause they know they got Steven Adams back in the month. I like that pick Steven Adams. Uh, he's one of those guys. That's also a little bit younger than you think. I think he's still sub 30 years old right now. Yeah, feels like he's been in the league. He's like 28, 29, but it feels like he's been in the league a lot longer, but I think, one of my undoubtedly favorite, you know, every couple of months is every, anytime, especially this Grizzly team, which likes to talk smack. I love that they even feel more free to do so knowing that they just have Steven Adams in their back mm-hmm. pocket yeah. uh, during that Shannon Sharp, you know, um, scuffle with, you know, with, with him and, and T Morant, John Morant's dad. Uh, did you see the one security guard that <laughs> boldly attempted to get in Steven Adams way and Steven Adams, not even trying to hurt him, not even trying to inflict just pushed him to the this man like the slow motion replay of him getting pushed to the side <laughs> Steven doesn't even look at him he's looking at a different way it's it's not it's the it's not even a bother to steven yeah. adams path and so i i like that pick he is terrifying i yeah he's do you think him or james johnson's the most terrifying guy in the league i figured um, i figured for on basketball reasons you weren't going to go james johnson so that's what why i said steven adams but curious for your thoughts on just well, james johnson is like a professional kickboxer as well yeah. so like i think he would probably win in a fight but steven adams just like this i mean he's what seven seven feet like he's seven yeah. feet 250 he is 29 years old by the way yeah and the fact like i those new zealand dudes like i'm always scared of them he's got a great tattoo got a good beard you know he's just terrifying yeah, Steven Adams, good call there, good call. All right, so I've got two more here. So for this this next spot, I've it, it's I've been debating of who I would go with. They're kind of the same mold. One we've already 
talked about briefly because he is on the market right now, and that's OG Ananobi. Mm-hmm. Once again, I think the versatility that a guy like Ananobi brings, and this is at the high end, and the other guy that I'm thinking of is Mikhail Bridges from the Suns. I just don't think he's really going to go anywhere. So let's go with OG because OG is already somewhat relative. Those are your last two on the market. They're not my last. Two. I have another guy that I'm that I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna put out there. I was deciding between these two. Let's let's go with with OG just because it seems like he's on the market. And for me, you know, I, I've said a couple different times. I feel like he's Jalen Brown light. He just keeps getting better at different things. I don't think he's going to necessarily reach the levels of Jalen Brown, but every year I watch OG, he gets a little bit better, whether it's shooting, creating, handling the ball this year, defensively, he's kind of taken another step up. Uh, And that's why you're seeing teams that are floating around three picks to go and get him, which, you know, feels in certain ways, like a bit much, but in others, you know, he's, you know, I'm looking at, see, how old is he right now? You know, he's 25 years old. Like he's still pretty young. So if you can go get him, lock him up. And I just try to think about, man, what would that look like if you could have a Marcus Smart, OG, Jalen, Jason Tatum, and Robert Williams lineup? Yeah, it's everything the Raptors ever wanted. (laughs) Exactly, exactly, exactly. We'll just fulfill their prophecy, but in Boston. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I love OG. Uh, I figured you were going to add him. So I didn't add him to my list, but yeah, it'd be great to have him in Boston. Mikhail Bridges, basically you can echo a lot of those same sentiments. As well. Yeah. Yeah. Different type of athlete, but yeah, yeah. same, same basic argument there. Um, my guy, this is a, a buy low candidate, a guy that I've always just liked. I think that he just needs a change of scenery. I do think that he's actually realistic for the Celtics if they wanted to just take a flyer on him. And that's my guy, Cam. I love Cam Reddish. I've always thought that he had, um, you know, Cam Reddish and potential. Like you look up the word potential in the dictionary, you will see Cam Reddish. That's kind of like how I feel about Cam. I was like, man, I, I know it's there. I've seen it even at Duke. You know, even at Duke, he like had a couple moments at Duke, but he never really fulfilled um, his promise at Duke. He hasn't fulfilled it in the league. But I do think if we're looking for a guy that can come in and just like spell Tatum and spell Brown and also be six foot eight, that is Cam Reddish. And he's available right now, apparently for a second round pick. And I know the Celtics can do that deal if they wanted to. So I don't know why we haven't done it yet. Maybe they think that he's too much of a headache. I don't know if he has a bad reputation around the league, mm-hmm. but he's a guy that um, I've always wanted. And I also think for this exercise is realistic for the Celtics to get. Yeah, that's a good one. I, I, I'm i the same way where he's shown enough that, you know, I I would do, I think it's two second round picks is what the rumor is right now to go get him. The Celtics have, uh, you know, they have an empty roster spot. So, I would not be opposed to that deal. Um, you know, eventually, you know, if enough teams just keep saying we prefer you not to be here, maybe there's something to it. You know, and it's starting to get to that point with with Cam Reddish, although the New York situation was always kind of rough from the start because it felt like Tibbs with the front office was never really aligned on what the vision of Cam Reddish was. So yeah, so so, so I'm saying that that's kind of an unfair situation to say that's two situations in a row that they were like, nah, we're cool. You know, we'll we'll get off this, you know, this get this kid for for minimal, you know, minimal return. Uh, but I like that one. I think Cam Reddish is somebody that, you know, is definitely worth taking a look at if you're the Celtics and, you know, could happen this year. Uh, my last guy, this guy is probably too young to really know if this is going to be realistic. But every time I tune in to the Pistons, I just can't take my eyes off him. And the fact that he's 19 years old, Jalen Duran. Uh, 
I don't I don't know if he can qualify for this or not, but yeah. he's 19 years old. And every time I watch him, I kind of forget that he's 19. So I want him to be Based. the new Jason Tatum is 19. I want Jalen Duran to be the you know Jalen Duran's only 19 years old. I want us to be saying that in three to four years, but with him as a Celtic, uh, that kid is just electric when he's out there and when he gets it going. Uh he's you know, his per 36, I think, would put him at about 12 points and 12 rebounds uh for this season. Then the other night he had 23 points. 15 rebound game three double doubles in his last four games uh you know like i said he could potentially blossom into a big part of the Pistons, so that might not be a guy that's necessarily realistic like and too early to tell but i just really like him and this is what the whole point of this exercise is who are guys that we would really like to see in green um I, this will be fun greg when we look back on it to see if any of these guys like malcolm brogdon mm-hmm. maybe one day do end up uh in celtic green i will say one thing that was kind of interesting and I noticed this with my list. I just I have about you know ten to fifteen names that I that I put down. I didn't really put down many many point guards or many ball handlers mm. on my list. And I don't I don't think I mean unless you count Caruso, we didn't we didn't mention we didn't really have any between our two lists. Yeah, I, so I was trying to think of mine as like a starting lineup of these guys that I would want. So it would be Caruso, Cam, Grant, Portis, and Stephen Adams which is like just kind of a fun lineup anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, but I I mean, I think with Smart, Brogdon, and uh, White, and then all the ball handling that Tatum and Brown do. There's just not I'm, a lot of room. Yeah, there's not, a lot of, there's not a lot of room for improvement. Like maybe um, a Tyce Jones, like that type of guy like that could come Jones in and, and kind of yeah. settle the second unit. But I, I have one little uh, curveball I want to throw at you, Will. I, I didn't tell you to prepare for this, but I do have a historical pick. Okay. So a guy that, if I could take him from borderline his prime and bring him onto the Celtics or just put him on a Celtics team of the past, he was rumored to be going to a Celtics team in the past power forward. Do you know who I'm thinking of? Was rumored in like the KG era in the KG era. I don't give it who, who is it? David West. David West, that's right. I love that's David right. West. It was between it was between the Celtics and the Pacers, right? Davis um, I forget what happened with that, but yeah, I do remember it he was Celtics Pacers. Pacers going back. Right, but but I feel like it was like he was like almost like basically signed to the Celtics, and then maybe it was, but I think it was I'd have to look it up. I think it might have been like they were gonna do the mid-level and then the Pacers came over the top and were like, No, we'll give you a three-year deal for a little bit more or something like that. Yeah, but David West, that's a good one, man. People forget that. You know, I think it was the the New Orleans Hornets team with Chris Paul, David West. That was a really good team, man. They had, they had the, the end of Peja on there as well, Mo P. Yeah, dude. I was gonna say, can you name their lineup? Yeah, but you got it. Yeah, I, there's. I mean, obviously, there's yeah. others we're missing, but those are the four that that really jump out Tyson to me Chandler. from that team. Tyson Chandler, exactly, dude. What yeah. a squad! What Great a squad. squad. Oh, man, that was a really, really fun team. And you know what? That was a really fun exercise. I'm glad we did that. We were trying to think of what to do for this, change it up a little bit. Uh, really fun show today. Hope that you guys enjoyed it just as much as we did. We do appreciate y'all following along with us. This show will be up uh, on YouTube, so make sure you are following our YouTube page. We did not live stream this particular one because we recorded a little bit early with some of our travel plans, but most of our podcasts going forward will be a live stream. So jump in if you have questions. Maybe we'll answer them live on the podcast. So make sure you're following us on YouTube to go ahead and get that notification when we do start to stream, uh, as well as just make sure you're following us across Twitter, Instagram and our TikTok. Shout out to our guy Mark locking down the TikTok game for your boys out here. Greg, uh, any final thoughts before we uh, go ahead and get up out of here? 
So, Will, where are seats going to be for the Knicks game? If people yeah, want so to come for, say what's for the, up. For the Knicks game, if you want to come say what's up, uh, we're going to be up in the Rafters Club. So we're going to be up top in the Rafters Club. We'll probably be doing some some moving around as well, but that will be the the main station we'll be at unless we uh, you know find a way to make a couple of calls and make a couple of things happen. Cool. So yeah, so come say what's up. Uh, don't be weird about it. Just, you know, say hello and, you know, we could uh, chop it up for a minute. And um, when I say don't be weird about it, I I, I don't know what I meant by that. Uh, I, I guess I guess more I meant like just come say hi. Like don't feel like you can't say hello. Like come say what's up. Um, you'll, you'll, you'll see us there. <laughs> So with that, we're gonna we're gonna play you up with some music from my band down here in Austin, Texas. We are called Black Sheep Optimist. This one's called Skywalking. Don't be weird. Say hi. What's up? Peace. I wish it that I never seen the stars in your eyes A glimpse of what I'm missing, thinking it's a mirage Ooh, you got me tripping and it's hard to describe But I stay for a minute cause I'm digging the vibe I like the way you're looking at the look in my eyes Don't be casual feelings when it's only a vibe Don't know what the deal is, I'm a typical guy You know the one thing different is the state of your mind I'm like, oh my, my, someone throw me a rope I'm getting too damn high, didn't know I could float You could call it a vibe, it's probably all that you wrote But I'll be doing this shit finally if I didn't have hope Cause you know that that embody that would go with the flow I could sing a different song If I could not hit the notes You had me taking off When you took off your clothes It should be coming down by now But I won't Let's go